and welcome to today's live stream industry 4.0 community live um discord servers 3069 members uh very important number very important milestone um there's a link below to join the discord server uh it's an amazing community and uh we go live every week and um walker won't be here today but that's okay because he is back he is uh leading a digital transformation maturity assessment this week so that's pretty exciting um many of you may some of you may know some of you may not know we hired uh, a, a digital transformation maturity assessment specialist who's got extensive background and we're hoping i'm hoping to bring him on the podcast soon maybe um maybe next week or maybe early next year um we do have this friday we have oh speaking speaking of alan he just joined right now actually we may uh we may actually have a, a surprise in store for you guys uh Alan, uh, everybody, welcome, Alan Ramsey. So, Hello, Alan is, uh, so anyone who doesn't know, Alan is our is our new new hire at 4.0, and uh, we're very lucky to have him. He's uh, shadowing Walker on a, D, a DTMA this week, Digital Transformation Maturity Assessment that we talk about a lot on our channel, and uh, that we teach engineers and system integrators and end users how to do in our Mastermind program how to do a digital transformation maturity assessment. It's our formula. It's our process for assessing manufacturers, getting them on the right track and, you know, developing a roadmap towards their industry 4.0 goals. Uh, so Alan, thanks for, thanks for joining on such short notice today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So, um, you know, you've been working here for a couple of weeks now. What, what are your initial thoughts about 4.0? You know, what's it like on the inside versus looking from the outside in? Zach, thank you uh, for the great introduction again. And and coming from the auto industry and coming from manufacturing, which is most of my 25 years I've been uh, performing, that's the value that I've been performing and leading integration type projects. So the ability to come in and see uh, how integration works, or excuse me, how uh, 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 4.0 works, as well as IntelliC integration rather, I, I really feel like there's a lot of value at potential and, and seeing it from both the outside and the inside now. And I, I'm happy to answer additional questions. Okay. So um, why don't we start with, uh, you know, what attracted you to, uh, how'd you, how'd you even get the job here? Like what attracted you to work for us? How'd you hear about us? Was it through a recruiter? Was it through, you know, the LinkedIn channel? Um, Precisely. Um, I'll go ahead. I'll finish. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So uh, being uh, trained in Ignition, I, uh, I was part of several groups on LinkedIn and uh, through inductive automation and uh, being trained in Ignition SCADA, excuse me, Ignition rather, uh, and applying it in my projects. I was reached out uh, on one of those groups by uh, John McLeod, actually, and he and I struck up a conversation and uh, one thing led to another. And here I am through a very lengthy and enjoyable interview process. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Intellic actually has hired a couple Intellic is a little bit bigger than 4.0 and they're uh, growing pretty quickly as well right now. But uh, a couple of those people we actually hired directly from mentorship. Um, you know, now that you're now that you're part of uh, 4.0, you're you're able to go through both the mentorship and mastermind training. Um, mm -hmm. What are your initial thoughts on some of those? Uh, what content have you gone through so far? And what are your initial thoughts on that training? 
My, my initial training thus far is through IIoT and that portion of it. I, I've only had a chance to touch the to skim the surface of all the value added training that's on there uh, in regards to the mastermind program, et cetera. So I feel like that I, I'm really looking forward about diving into uh, seeing much more content. So beyond the IIoT. Okay. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, IOT, IOT.university is our training portal. And in there, we have two different products. Well, really, we have three if you count our DTMA, but we have mentorship, which is training the um, up and coming professional on the skills that one would need to develop, like, let's say, um, an industry 4.0 project, like using Ignition or using Factory Studio. We teach you the fundamental skills, SQL, Python, scripting, platform. Um, so that's mentorship. And then we have our mastermind program where that's more for the architect developing full stack experience, teaching you how to, you know, do digital transformation maturity assessments. Um, you know, many of our mastermind members have also gotten a chance to sit in on mm. us doing one. And now that we have, um, you know, another, uh, you know, Alan, you, you're going to be, you know, leading these yourself, uh, shortly. So, mm -hmm. uh, we'll, we'll be able to actually get more, uh, third parties to sit in, you know, third party mastermind members to be able to sit in to learn. Um, you know, we had uh, Mario watch the most recent one we did. Uh, Kevin, uh, Dave Schultz is, you know, I think has he, I don't think Dave's actually had a chance to sit in on one yet, but he's working on doing several. So um, anyone who doesn't know this Friday, we're doing a um, I want to talk about this Friday a little bit. Uh, it's it's actually one of our monthly mentorship calls, and we're going we're taking that opportunity to actually stream it out on our channel. So if you're not in mentorship or you're not in mastermind, this Friday there's a live stream. Uh, we created an event on LinkedIn. If you're on our email list or if you're you know if you signed up for Discord, you'll get notification on how to join that live stream this Friday, um, or you can just subscribe and turn on notifications. But we're going to be sharing. You know, we're going to be sharing like I think we'll have like 50 or so members on that on that Zoom call. We're going to be streaming it out to the channel and we're going to be covering program overview. Um, we're also going to be uh, highlighting a few of the members that have completed all of their practical uh, training for, from the mentorship program, as well as opening it up for 20, uh, the class of 2022 registration. Um, so that's for the mentorship program for mastermind. What we're doing uh, and we haven't really we've talked about it but we haven't put out any any content or, or collateral around it yet but that's coming we're going to be doing like a 12-week accelerator program so starting in january we're going to go through step one step two step three every week we're going to go through that material together um and then review it in, in a cohort so that way we can kind of anyone who's joined in the last few months or anyone who wants to join in december or january we're, they're going to have an opportunity to get a small group. We're going to get a small group together so we can go through that training. Um, you know, Alan, you'll, you'll be part of it as well. Right. So that's, that's another, um, you know, value add that we're doing for the, for the mastermind program. Um, so yeah, but more on that in, uh, on this Friday's call. So, and Walker will be on that, on that call. So looking forward to that. So why don't you share a little bit more about your background and, uh, sure. your expertise? what sure, you bring to the sure. table. 
Excellent. So, so in my 25 years of being a, uh, an engineer, my undergraduate's in mechanical engineering with a uh, master's in business finance, so an MBA, so don't hold that against me. So, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Sandy uh, and Walker were going pretty hard against the MBAs in the, I know. In the podcast last week. To preface that, so that's the reason why I say don't 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 hold it against me. So so, but it had a lot. It, it, the MBA actually helped me tremendously with communication uh, between, uh, especially to folks it, it, when you're trying to explain technical information to non-technical personnel. That has been a big help for me. So anyway, I digress. But in okay. my 25 years of uh, of of experience, I, I've spent most of my time in the automotive industry, the chemicals and manufacturing sectors. Uh, worked for a military contractor that made explosives and gunpowder. So I uh, uh, learned a lot of uh, very important safety uh, features there in manufacturing in that role, as well as uh, the traditional Six Sigma and continuous improvement realm. Okay. Uh, so what is the difference between uh, Six Sigma, computer, continuous improvement, and, and digital transformation as, you know, as we talk about it on our channel and our programs? In your sure, program? that's... Sure, Zach. That's sort of what helped lead me to uh, this great opportunity uh, is, is that that I have had the fortune of being a Six Sigma uh, practitioner for about 20 years of my 25 years career. And Six Sigma is a statistical tool and also a methodology for improving using statistics to drive quality improvements, to reduce defects and thus improve customer delight and improve profitability. Continuous improvement, whether you follow various different methodologies such as TPS or the Toyota production system or uh, any other umbrella that falls under continuous improvement, such as lean manufacturing, uh, those tools utilize a set sort of methodologies such as the DMAIC process or DMAIC, which is a methodology for continuous improvement, which stands for define, measure, analyze, improve and control. So is that kind of like Kaizen? Like Kaizen if I, is, I... yeah, very similar. Kaizen is a portion of continuous improvement. Kaizen is a incremental improvement is what that really loosely translates from Japanese. So exactly. And, and, so, and how that, go ahead. Yeah, go, uh, well, I was going to say, and how does that focus on continuous improvement? How might that, um, how might one lose the forest through the trees? by focusing on continuous improvement you know um how might that blind them to what's this larger transformation that's taking place absolutely these are iterative transformations such as kaizen where you have incremental improvements so one of the ways to look at that whether you're saying you can't see the force for the trees is that you have milestone goals and you have inch pebble goals. It takes a lot of inch pebble goals to reach a milestone. And so with uh, Kaizen, you're using continuous improvement, iter iterative type improvements to get to where you are, such as an agglomeration of small improvements add up over time. Like shaving a few a seconds off cycle time or something. Precisely. That's a very good example. If you can improve cycle time or tack time to deliver parts or the heartbeat of a process is another way that tack time is interpreted to get parts to your customers when they need them. So exactly. What is tack, tack time you said? Tack time is, is essentially T-A-K-T -T is how it's spelled. And it's essentially a fancy German word for heartbeat of a process. So whenever you're generating parts, your process is creating them at this time 
when the customer is requiring it to be manufactured. So it's it's a it's a iterative process calculation. Okay. All right. And um, do you have an example that we can talk about in one of your past experiences um, that that would that would sort of illustrate what that process would look like, what some of those Pebblestone uh, milestones were and um, that you can share? Sure. Sure, sure. One of the processes that I was over as a senior process engineer uh, was in the it was the manufacture of gunpowder. And at this facility, we had processes laid out in very large buildings apart from one another for safety manners, for safety reasons. And there wasn't a lot of visibility between those processes with the digital age. So these buildings were built in the 1940s. Some PLCs throughout the years were added to improve pro process capability. But I created a dashboard utilizing uh, ignition to look at the processes upstream to show when material was going to be coming in throughout the process. And so operators at that particular process step would know when the next step of the process needed to be executed. So it was a dashboard type uh, tool used within ignition. Does the does the um does the part or pro does it get pushed through the process or does it get pulled through the process it's a pull system methodology correct it, it, it's, it's what's the it's difference basically. between those two so so imagine a rope and and, and it, with a rope you can't push a rope correct you can only pull it through so that's a good okay. way to describe a process that's pull driven so say for instance you have a process you have to have it uh, mixed it, say for instance a good example is say you're making pasta and you have to add dry ingredients with the water. Same thing with making other processes, similar process here. You add the ingredients, you mix it, then you have to press it, and then you have to cut it, so to speak, like if you're making pasta. So each one of those process steps had to be followed in a specific order. You can't just get from A to C and not have the correct process steps. So pulling it through the process steps. Okay. And then for the gunpowder application, um, how did that work? So, so with this particular process, you had and you had basically um, energetic materials that had to be mixed together in the correct sequence, as well as in the correct amount, with whether you're adding solvents or whatever it needs to be to make. And then the process is a time process, so you have to be very cognizant of your process steps because you have solvent flash, you have different other variables that you have to be monitoring through uh, your your PLCs. Uh, through your sensors, through your, uh, all that is going up into the database, into Ignition, so you can see it throughout the process, whether you're pulling data down into a dashboard, into an Andon board, those types of tools are invaluable in this day and age in processes, especially when you have sensitive processes that have a finite amount of time that have to be completed in a certain sequence. How did you manage the recipes on that? It's it's like you just said, it's a very uh, old process that was updated over time. And now recipe, recipe management is handled in through a database through, say, a, um, a database management tool that actually makes sure that and, and another one of these tools from continuous improvement is basically polka yoking. And a polka yoke is an error proofing methodology that the Japanese come up with. And essentially, when you polka yoke, you basically make it error proof. And that's what the recipe management system did was that it prevented mm -hmm. the wrong material from being made with this wrong, with the incorrect equipment, so to speak. So it's the right recipe at the right time. Okay. And like tracking deviations from the set points or things like that. 
precisely. So you have set points and then you got statistical process control manners and that's also being tracked. And that's just speaking to my experience as well. So utilizing uh, Ignition, you can go in and create parameters, uh, basically uh, uh, SQC rules between one to three standard deviations, those sort of things. There's certain SQC, SPC rules that you can follow and that's tracking okay. the, the process. We got a question that came in and I'm not sure if it's troll, but I, I think we can, I think we, uh, we can actually answer this one. Um, Alan, in your words, what does a 4.0 solution mean? Um, ah. and assuming he's not talking about the company, which that's our company 4.0 solutions. We do education and outreach and we work with manufacturers to assess them, but you know, we help them develop 4.0 solutions. What, what is a 4.0 solution? What does that mean? That's a good question, and we can take that in several different directions, but my boilerplate answer would be that a 4.0 solution is utilizing digital transformation technologies to reach, uh, essentially, the, the holy grail, as someone we both know likes to call, in regards to this is what the everything is completely visible throughout the process from top to bottom, from materials to supply chain, Everything is digitized and is accessible throughout the entire length of the stack of the project or the stack of, excuse me, the, uh, the actual full stack of the development of the actual system. So to me, why, why might someone, why might someone want that? <laughs> because the, the amount of value add that it provides is unbelievable compared to a 3.0 type manufacturing systems that we have today, still in a lot of manufacturing. With 4.0, it's it's an, it's not just an iterative process improvement. It's a major C-level change in regards to data accessibility, data tracking, data uh, data measurement and analysis, and it's the visibility. The level of visibility throughout an organization is the key point that I want to make with a 4.0 solution. Mm. So I I read a quote on LinkedIn today. Someone said, "You wouldn't hire a bunch of." people and put them on your plant floor and have them not talk to each other. But um, why are we doing that with our machines and our equipment and our robots? Why, why would we put them in and, and silo them basically? Um, essentially. That's, that's so, a very um, good analogy. Where, where do people come into this, into this process? I think people in this process, oh goodness, that's a good question. It depends on the process, but I think the process and what we're trying to talk about here is the process of the 4.0 solution process. And I think that you have to have buy-in from people immediately uh, for any sort of process improvement, whether you're using whatever methodology. But with a 4.0 solution that you're going to be going into uh, in a process, I think that people are paramount to the success of that project. I, I really think it has to be bought in from beginning to end. Uh, you said something today after one of our debriefs on uh, our DTMA meetings, you said um, you were evaluating, you know, what are the, what are the incentives for people to transform and what are the disincentives? Yeah. Uh, what it, are some of the disincentives of why people might be against this? Ah, disincentive. So, so I think I was making that reference as, as uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a Freakonomics reference to uh, one of my favorite books. And either you can incentivize someone or try to incentivize someone to do the right thing or disincentivize them to not do that bad thing or wrong thing. And, and uh, the carrot of the stick, so to speak, uh, when it comes to that analogy. So I, I guess the, the, the point of your question is 
was it an example you were looking for? I think is is that what you were looking for? Yeah, what's what an example looking? of a dis like what's a valid uh I mean cuz we're in this very deep so to us we only see the incentives. We only see the whole you know the path to the holy grail. We see the fully connected factory. We see the value gain for employees, for stakeholders, shareholders, right? But someone might not see that, right? So what are the disincentives that are speaking louder to them? Or we talked about some, like they might feel like their job's at risk. What are some of the other disincentives or reasons why people might be afraid of, you know, not being aligned with the organization's mission? Good questions. And I think some of the disincentives that it's obviously socioeconomic, economic being a predominant variable is that if you don't adapt, you know what happens. If you don't continue to evolve, if you don't continue to sharpen the, 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 basically the, the, the tool, so to speak, it becomes dull. If you don't continue to improve and by, I guess what I'm saying with this disincentive in this, in this argument is that if you fail to continue to improve your, your situation, gaining skills, buying into industry 4.0 type standards, then one disincentive would be obviously economic. You're not going to be, you're not going to be sticking around in the factory of the future. I mean, it's, it's, or in the manufacturing sector of the future compared to what it is today, the current state versus the future state. Michael Dowdell says a lot of bullshit jobs will be eliminated, but isn't that a good thing? Isn't that mean there's more, more, uh, more resources available for the people that are doing uh, a valid job? Right. I think so. uh, Michael also said disincentives, incompetent people will lose their job. <laughs> How? <laughs> I mean, if you're incompetent, I guess that's a disincentive, but, um, are all people <laughs> like, why, why are incompetent people employed at manufacturers today? How can they get away with that? How can they stay in business? Oh. I, you know what? It's it, it's truly remarkable in this day and age that that's that's allowable. You know, I mean, it, it, there it, in this information age that we're in now. I mean, the information age, you have access in the palm of your hand to, with a smartphone to 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 reams and reams of unlimitless amount of data. But it has to be useful information. Training people and and developing people is paramount. So. These folks need, regardless of their level, they need to continuously be improved upon, whether through training, whether through uh, skills and improvement. There are lots of opportunities to continue on and to be a value add to a company organization. So, yeah, I mean, that there that's an incentive there versus a disincentive. OK, yeah. Next week, I'm actually doing a, um, a five day uh, intensive like uh, coaching challenge, helping. Okay helping people like me who, who, um, you know, lead online training, right? Like with our mastermind, helping me become a better coach, packaging the offer, conveying that offer that offers value to the community, enrolling, you know, reaching out to enroll new students into that offer. So, you know, I didn't just get this way just by, by the sheer luck. <laughs> like I, uh, I study a lot. I study a lot of free content like here on YouTube. And then I also pay for training to develop my skills. And that typically like within 12 months, it's definitely paying dividends. If not like immediately, like I can, uh, I mean, this is actually a, a pretty low ticket offer. Like it's, it's, um, under a few hundred dollars, but I imagine that if I applied that, if I take away one little thing, I mm. can apply that and, and, and make, make that valuable into my daily job, like right away. So 
that's what i'm going to be doing next week but um mario said the problem is that many are in the misinformation age apparently (laughs) (laughs) playing the political game a germane comment in this day and age you're right but but to your point zach that you're sharpening the saw whenever you're training there so that's value-added training that's going to pay dividends uh, I'm a big, huge fan of Doc, of Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People uh, mm. training books. And the last habit, of course, is seven is sharpening the saw to basically continue to get better, to sharpen your saw. Ver- you know, obviously, in a figurative manner, you're doing that by taking this additional training. Same thing for other folks to get incentivized to become to work with the factory of the future tools that we'll have. Isn't there like some uh, expression that like if someone was given an hour to chop a tree, they would spend the first 50 minutes sharpening the axe and then the last 10 <laughs> Like I feel yeah. like that's like an, uh, and maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration, but it, I mean, it's true. Like, you know, um, mm-hmm. like Sandy said, plan, 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 that's execute. It. I was yeah. going to use the same, yeah, Colin Powellism there. It was Mr. Colin, General Colin Powell said that. So yeah, great analogy, great analogy. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, Alan, how to calculate the ROI. I know what Walker would say, but I want to hear what you'd have to say. How to calculate the ROI to invest in digital transformation or adopting 4.0. Well, I'll tell you what, it's, it's in my humble opinion, I, I think it can be done a couple of different ways. But essentially, you take the current state and you can easily determine how much waste you have in a process. There's tools, tons of tools, not just Six Sigma, continuous improvement, lean tools to determine how efficient or inefficient your process is currently. The C-level change from industry 3.0 to 4.0 is significant and, and it's exponential in the amount of cost savings that will be incurred based on investment costs. So the return on investment, it, it, it's, it's cut and dry in my humble opinion to the, to the person's question. I think it's, it's just a matter of determining current state and what the potential is. So your proof of concept would look like with a 4.0 solution mm. in uh in the kickoff meeting on monday um walker goes through his normal speech and you know i was <laughs> I, I i messaged you in the back channel i'm like yeah walker's done this once or twice before because he's just so uh you know smooth at it and but he goes over the case study and mm. um you know the client that hired us would send me a message in discord he's like dude this is what i've been saying i've been trying to say to everyone for like years but it's yeah. finally coming together, getting all, all the stakeholders in the same room, getting them all on the same page. But Walker was going through that case study and it was literally a $250,000 project uh, that that yielded a $25 million ROI over 18 months, funded their whole in North American digital transformation initiative. Um, it was like a, a tier automotive supplier that and but the to, interesting point on the calculating of the ROI, they were calculating their their OEE by hand, and they had it calculated at something like eighty four percent. I think the numbers were like swapped. It was like eighty four percent is what they thought because they were like getting bonus off of their OEE numbers. But in yeah. reality, the the real OEE was like in the forties. Um, and I think with that project, they worked with them to have like this set of dashboards that was like, they would have like this, like everything's perfect dashboard and they would just like put in fake numbers. But they, he's like, we'll do that as long as you use the real numbers to make decisions. And over the period of like seven months, they were able to increase the uptime. Um, and I think they went from like 30,000 widgets a day to like 70,000 widgets a day or per, uh, per month, per month. 
and then the waste went down from like 3500 units of waste down to like 700 um and a lot of a lot of the downtime was actually micro stops right so and just the the operators being aware of mm -hmm. of what what the real time performance is so they can make you know immediate actions to improve that and yeah that that basically doubled their capacity right so like Absolutely. they had you know if you go from 35% oee to 70% oee you've doubled you know you, it's like adding it's like doubling the number of lines you had if and doing things the same way which would have cost a lot it would have cost a lot more than $250,000 right Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and one of my favorite sayings from continuous improvement is the most dangerous waste is the waste you don't see or the waste you don't aren't aware of. And this company that you're referring to was completely unaware of the waste in their process. It was completely invisible to them. And that is the worst kind of waste. So shining light on it with the data, and it was very visual that they could see it, that the overall equipment effectiveness was basically hogwash and and what they were calculating and using obviously the dashboard that is phenomenal looking that that walker and team came up with absolutely hands down a huge value add and and a huge return on investment speaking of dashboards i've actually been really impressed with our uh our mentees i've been reviewing their mm -hmm. practical test this week um oh wow and uh we got some really good screen developers like uh, John John Forboard. His screens looked awesome. I, I met with Srihari this morning uh, from cool. Factory AI. Um, so if you guys are in our mentorship program, you know, I, I like the extra effort that you guys put in to make it look nice and, uh, you know, use it as a tool to help you, you know, either get a job or um, land, land a client, right? Like being able to use that as like a demo. Um, I mean, some of the some of the templates that we have you build I'm sure people are already using them in projects like the the system information template, um, like even in perspective, like it's reactive and it shows up nice on a mobile screen. And so I've been really proud of all the all the work that the mentees have been putting in and we'll get to you know show some of that on Friday. Awesome. Looking forward Ma to it. Matias asked, I heard Industry 5.0 is coming. Um, what is it? OK, <laughs> I'll go first. So. Um, so industry, so like any, anyone who knows about industry 4.0, you know, it's like a term that was invented like 10 years ago in Germany, I think, um, or the European, uh, you know, the EU, they really developed that. Um, and I think they, their, their vision of what 4.0 was, what kind of fell short, right? Because I mean, obviously if they're, I said this to Walker, I'm like, if they're already talking about industry 5.0. Like they think they've already achieved four, you know, they think they've already achieved 4.0, which really meant that they didn't really know the full capabilities of 4.0. But in their definition, um, what 5.0 is, is like, it's more about human centric, right? Um, and sustainability, things of that nature. Um, but if you ask me, I, I feel like that's, part of industry 4.0 right in four in our you know in our definition of 4.0 our vision of industry 4.0 the the human being gets to be more human right it's going away from repetitive manual task copying data you know trying to pretend like a human is a calculator or a machine turning that human into what they're best at which is being creative um analyzing data making making strategic decisions 
using information from machines. So to me, it's more of a marketing term, but Alan, do you know anything about industry 5.0? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have not been involved with it, at least, at least to the extent of, it sounds like you, you've, you hit the nail on the head. The human piece has been missing in a lot of manufacturing, at least in the Western world for, for many, many years. And the ability to in, incorporate uh, the human element and say, like, this is a, the, the operator is value add because of this. They are actually the first line of defense in a manufacturing process, whether you're manufacturing widgets, whether it's a continuous process or a batch process, chemicals, automotive, you name it. The operators are the ones day in and day out who actually see the machine running, get a pulse for it. They know what the pulse is of that particular machine. You can have 10 identical machines, but they all run a little differently. At least that's the way it's been in my career. You could have identical machine A and B, but they have some finesses about each one of them. And the operator is the key piece to all that. That's the linchpin piece. So you can have lots of great data being gathered by sensors, flow meters, RPMs, etc. cetera. Uh, but unless you have someone there that's cognizant and has the skill set to take that information and react or, excuse me, respond, that's the key piece, I think, in 5.0 to 4.0. We ask in the, in the we ask the leadership when we're consulting with clients, what is your faith in your um your rank and files ability to solve their own problems. How much trust do you have in them on a scale of one to five? And uh, the lower it is, the, the the lower our confidence is in the leadership ability to save the company. Because believe it or not, you know, the rank and file, the plant, the plant floor, the operators, the ones are producing the material or the widgets. Those are the people that know you know they're where the rubber meets the road they know all the problems in the business they can solve all your problems if you just enabled them and gave them the tools yeah. um yeah so that's that's one of the our focuses is making sure leadership understands that and also um you know not just developing like this turnkey project from the top and deploying it down but actually involving the 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 people on the plant floor, their ability to develop their own tools, right? That's the whole concept of the unified namespace is anyone can plug into it and start subscribing to data, turning it into information and publishing that data back information back into the namespace at the floor, you know, at the plant, at the floor level, at the line level, at the plant level, at the enterprise level. It's this ecosystem of smart, connected people, machines, software, so that's that's what industry 4.0 is to me it's the people machines and software all connected into one ecosystem absolutely and and i can't emphasize enough what you mentioned you hit on it, empowering the operators and that's that's where you have to have the buy-in as well operators will have to have buy-in as well as managers you got to have buy-in from your foot soldiers on the floor or the whatever the process is and that empowerment piece is hypercritical, I think. And you hit the nail right on the head, Zach. I want to share a LinkedIn post. Um, actually, uh, let me see. It's a Chrome tab here. So the other day, Jeff Winter um, posted something on LinkedIn and um, I commented on it um, based on what Walker would say. Mm. And uh, so this person, Diane, 
screenshotted it and uh and, and reposted it so like this is the original post here that screenshot um jeff winter said how would you describe digital transformation in just a few words this is my favorite so far uh digital transformation technology is the tool people are the focus and more value is the outcome and then i you know i i um I ghost wrote for a walker here. I, you know, I pulled this directly <laughs> from our training. Um, not number one. And, and we go and this is something he goes over in, in our, um, you know, in our DTMA meetings, in our mastermind meetings, in our mastermind one note, digital, number one, digital transformation is a strategy, not a project Two, digital transformation is about transforming the way manufacturers operate their business by leveraging data they generate every day, but never or rarely consume in real time. And three, Digital transformation. Not everyone can be helped. Invest your energy on the businesses you can help. Start with finding people who admit they have a problem. Uh, so I just think, um, and uh, this, let's see what she had to say. So Jeff Winter and Walker Reynolds are two of my favorite thought leaders in industrial digital transformation space. Wow. Um, well, thank you. And uh, I, I agree with both of their takes 100%. And here's what I say. The keyword is transformation to transform to a healthy body. One needs to embark on a complete and permanent lifestyle change. Oh, so she's applying it to, uh, I guess, um, <laughs> like a human being. It's not a fad diet. It's not a new year's resolution. It's not an impulse gym membership. It acknowledges the need of change. Admit you have a problem and it's a total mental commitment of action and investment. It's a strategy, not a project. And it's long-term realistic and sustainable maintenance. So that's pretty cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I found it interesting. Um, almost as many people liked Walker's comment as liked the original post, which was pretty cool. So um, <laughs> yeah, that's, I guess it, it tended to resonate. So um, uh, yeah, let's uh, stop sharing here. But yeah, I was actually going to pull up the original post and I just noticed that someone had shared it. Um, let's see what Joshua Lawson had to say. If you guys have any questions, feel free to leave them in the chat. It's uh, open dialogue. Um, questions for Alan, questions about Industry 4.0, um, project questions that you guys are working on. I actually have a question from um, one of our mentees that I want to get to in a little bit here. But um, Joshua Lawson said, Industry 4.0 has to start from R&D ideation process. Also, not just the execution and delivery as it impacts and sets the tone of how a product, how it can be built. Lots of opportunities lost from day one. Do you want to elaborate on that, um, Alan? I, I completely concur. I, I, I think the ideation portion of it is, is absolutely hypercritical. And if you fail to plan, plan to fail, in other words. So, so it all boils down to having a, a vision, what that vision is, whether it's a, your vision statement, whatever it is, whether it's a plan, make sure that organization has a plan to get better, whether it's a metamorphic type change from industry 3.0 to 4.0, such as that, uh, or continuous improvement iterative processes. But having a vision for the future is hypercritical and planning is a big part of that, is the linchpin to that. Mm -hmm. I think that's why we're so high on the DTMA and Joshua sort of made the case for why, you know, you should start with consulting or start with, you know, either have 4.0 solutions, do your digital transformation maturity assessment or one of our partners, someone that we've trained 
we can, you know, uh, we have partners that we work with in our mastermind. We've trained them ourselves. We can say, Hey, you know, this is your, this is one of our partners that we trust to do transformation assessments based on our formula. Um, so yeah, it's pretty interesting. Thanks, Joshua. Do you have anything? Uh, do you have any questions you want to ask me, Alan? Um, what's the biggest learning you've had thus far in your tenure at the, uh, or what's the, any epiphanies that you can share uh, with 4.0? Um, yeah, that 4.0, you know, 4.0 is, is, uh, going through the same transformation that our clients are going through, but more so on the digital me uh, media space, going from a company that consults, um, you know, Intellic used to do this, like Walker used to, you know, work for Intellic. Now he's just on the chair, a chairman on the board. Um, now he's, you know, works with 4.0 solutions, but Intellic used to go to market in a completely different way than the way we do now, the way that 4.0 solutions educates their, I mean, essentially is educating who would, who most people would think could be our uh, competitors or teaching manufacturers that, you know, to do this, to help themselves. Some people would, you know, might've viewed that as, um, you know, us giving away the secrets or the stuff that makes them money. But Walker always was on board with that in some of the very first videos he's like why is it that i do this you know why is it that i'm sharing i'm teaching integrators how to what in their mind makes me money he's like and he goes back to his mission um you know because i grew up in a trailer park in upstate new york and i witnessed the manufacturing exodus um you know parents going from working in middle class uh, manufacturers to working at gas stations because you know the companies outsourced, they went to go cheap, chase cheap labor because they didn't do what Americans are good at, which is innovate, right? They didn't yep. leverage industry 3.0 as good as like uh, the Japanese did, right? Was especially like in automotive, right? So we're in that same place in time right now. Um, but this time, I think it's a little bit more with like with China and with EVs. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's still the same story, right? We have a choice to either innovate or die. And so... Yep through that mission and leveraging digital technologies ourselves, using data and information to make decisions about what content we should do, what training we should do, um, you know, using, using digital media to leverage our time to have a bigger impact. It's, it's been, you know, largely the same transformation, the same, you know, it rhymes to the same tune that of what we help our clients do. So that's been the biggest thing that noticed in the last you know um three four years doing the digital media and in the last year uh since launching mastermind and mentorship like going from just doing youtube and marketing and doing all the projects ourselves to literally training shifting more towards training our client you know training our community to do this themselves and coaching them through that process and seeing the impact that it's generated for them that's been a, a exciting transformation that's taken place in like the last year where, you know, before Intellic sort of fun, you know, kickstarted 4.0. I mean, actually it was a year ago. If you went to our channel, it, it was literally Intellic integration, right? Four point, our channel didn't become 4.0 solutions until the beginning of this year when, wow. when Walker, myself, you know, we went full time on uh, 4.0. So, and, you know, we've been able to do that through, the generosity and you know the, the dividends that our students have been able to pay back through what they're learning and 
applying it. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll get to hear some of the actual testimonies and uh, case studies from our students on Friday's call. Great. Like what they've learned Great. and what they've done and how it's helped impact them. So I'm really looking forward to that. Oh my gosh, Zach, you know, we're <laughs> Walker's words by heart. I do. I have, I, uh, I do. <laughs> this is, sounds like the same person. <laughs> I have like so many, you know, it's like, well, what video occupies your brain space rent free? You know, it's like, uh, all of Walker's videos. <laughs> Um, Cheryl said they demand generation, demand generation via education. That's the shift that every integrator, especially the 4.0 integrators need to be making in their marketing. Um, yeah. and maybe that's something that we can sort of layer on top of, or go deeper in is, you know, we're teaching them the tools on how to, to do what, what, um, you know, the product that Walker created the DTMA and, and how, how to help their clients, manufacturing clients do more with less. But, you know, I think the next step would also be helping them grow the community even further through their messaging, through their marketing, um, you know, sharing some of the things that I've learned uh, to our, you know, to our students. The snowball effect, indeed. You know, it's, 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 it's amazing. Just a year. Look what's come. <laughs> Rick Belota said, is Walker actually just Zach's metaverse creation or avatar? I said, I said, um, you know, <laughs> like, like uh, I'm like, we could, you know, we could really just create an AI version of Walker and have have that do the, all the digital transformation maturity assessment meetings because like it's he's, he's almost like a robot. Like it's, it's he says the same thing in the same way so many times. And yeah. so it just it just sticks there in your brain. Um, Muscle memory. Yeah. I mean, even when I was doing the DTMA, I, I sort of mimicked what exactly how Walker would say, because it's like, I, you know, I I believe it, too. Right. It's. uh I'm learning the same training that everyone else in our programs is going through. And, um, you know, I've watched every video at least three times when we filmed it, when I edit it and when we play it back. So, um, is Walker actually just Zach's metaverse creation avatar? I think industry like 5.0 is, is metaverse, you know, web 3.0 industry 5.0, like actually manufacturing things in the metaverse. Mm. I could see that being like really, you know, whether it be manufacturing NFT vehicles that time and energy and people like put work into creating, and then you're driving that around in like ready player one or, um, I think that's industry 5.0 in my opinion. <laughs> I, I like that. I, I like that. Well, well, you touch on so many different elements there. It's just, it's hard to pick one, but, <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's the metamorphosis portion that really interests me. And that in my career, I have been blessed that I have actually seen the transformation on the floors in production throughout my career. <laughs> and, and, and it's just, it's just, it's remarkable. Blake Morris said industry 5.0 is the connected enterprise. <laughs> it's the connected universe. It's the connected metaverse. Like oh, we it. should trade, we should trademark that before uh, Rockwell. Hashtag it. <laughs> Blake Morris is um, a troll account that's uh Rockwell. I mean, Blake Moore is a Rockwell CEO. Um, and so I, I, we, I, we still don't know who it is in the community who's doing, who's behind that account. I don't know. It might be like Dan Riken or something, but uh, <laughs> Joshua Larson said 5.0 virtual manufacturing. Yes. Virtual manufacturing lines, creating virtual 
manufactured products. Like rather than just creating it out of thin air, like imagine a manufacturing process that took time and effort to create, you know, so it's actually, you know, there was something that went into it, you know, just like, you know, think of it like a digital twin, right? If Tesla had a digital twin version of their, um, of their cyber plant of their cyber, um, you know, their gigafactory, they could be creating NFT versions of their cyber truck where each one was unique. Like you could go back and look at the time that it was manufactured, the time that it took to manufacture, who, who were the virtual operators in the metaverse that, that worked on that plant. So rather than just saying, oh, you know, here's a billion cyber trucks, like think of them as actually uniquely created or think of it like a cryptocurrency that took energy to mine, like virtual manufactured products could take energy and time to create and, and human left human labor actually went into it. And I think that would make it more unique and valuable um, and scarce too, by the way. Can you come again? Can, can you come again on the 5.0 key elements versus 4.0? Let's pull up uh, the industry 5.0 actual manifesto. I'm watching. Uh, I'm watching all of the. Um, so yeah, the European Commission made it. I'm watching all the Black Mirror episodes again with my with my girlfriend. Like every night, we watch like one or two of the the Black Mirror episodes. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 pretty crazy because it's like we're we're already there in in so many ways like when i first watched it like maybe two three years ago it's like okay yeah we're going to get there but it's like no man a lot of those episodes were already there um have you seen those prior episodes science fiction becoming science fact yeah they're like um you know futuristic each it's uh it's a six or five or six series but each one is like an independent um like one hour film basically so you don't need to watch it like in order. You can pick and choose which ones you want to watch. But um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And it, it, gets, you think, it gets you think. Yeah, look it up on Netflix, Black Mirror. Okay. I have a friend that's spoken very highly of it and has encouraged me to watch it, but I just haven't had a chance. Yeah. All right. Let me uh, pull up Industry 5.0 European Commission, non-EU. So we'll do what the European Commission calls it first, and then we'll we'll put our take on it. Okay. So okay, so it complements. So first of all, right, like if it says it complements the existing industry 4.0 approach, to me means that it's sort of a farce because when I think of industry 5.0, or when I think of like from 3.0 to 4.0, or 1.0 to 2.0, each one of those is a paradigm shift. Right, like 1.0 was like the steam engine and um, mechanized labor, and 2.0 was like the assembly line and electric motors. So instead of having like one water wheel with a bunch of gears and pulleys to distribute that one source of power to the all the parts of your like let's say um, textile mill, mm-hmm. imagine taking that single source of power and distributing it to many smaller electric motors. And then creating like an assembly line or, you know, just, um, you know, that that's a big and also like the electric motor versus like, uh, you know, a water mill or a steam engine. Like there's just totally different applications that you can can create. So it was more of a paradigm shift. Uh, Same thing with Industry 3.0. 
you know, for the first time, that automation component comes into play where you can automate a process, right? Instead of having a, a, a person working on a line and pressing buttons to start and stop the machine and, and, you know, the human acting as the PLC, you actually yeah. have, you know, the PLCs that came out. So that was more of a, you know, I mean, maybe it was a little bit smaller of a transformation, but with the introduction of networks and um, cyber physical systems, 4.0 really was like a paradigm shift from 3.0, right? Instead of automatic automating manufacturing line, you're automating the manufacturing business. So if it says it's complementing industry five, industry 5.0 is complementing industry 4.0, we're sort of breaking the, the mold, but, um, but it says by specifically putting research and innovation at the service of transition to a sustainable human centric and resilient European industry. So, I mean, it's more of a marketing term. But um, European industry is a key driver in the economic and societal transitions that we are currently undergoing. 100% agree. Um, you know, manufacturing jobs create the middle class, right? When they went away in the 80s, you know, it created a lot of social unrest. It created a lot of economic disparity, right? Um, so in order to remain at the engine of prosperity, industry must lead the digital and green transitions. This is more like an industry 4.0 update. It's like industry 4.0 minor patch. Yeah. 4.1. 4.1. Yeah. 4.2. 4. 4. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and and to the point here, I mean, it's similar in other industries. I mean, the ISO and it, it, it's it's gone through similar iterations. You know, each each one improving upon what worked in the past. I'm sure with the green portion here, we're going to be focused more on sustainability, as you alluded to earlier, Zach. And, and, and in addition to that, technologies are expanding rapidly. So uh, augmented reality, the cost of, of memory, the cost to do biz, to perform the business it's aspect is actually it's, it's, it's morphing in front of our very eyes. So five years from now, I would like to know what this answer is or how this mm -hmm. has shaped between now and then as time. Rick Bellotta said, remember when I, uh, Rick in the, in the discord, Rick was sort of, uh, you know, criticizing OEE because of its, um, you know, really sort of lacks that human element of, 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 uh, nuance. And, you know, Rick was making a really good point that sustainability, safety metrics needed to be treated equally to the OEE components and in, in industry 5.0 is an affirmation of that importance. And, and I totally agree, you know, mm. um, so thanks for chiming in there, Rick, and thanks for you know, everything that you do for the community. I really appreciate it. Very active in the discord server. Um, Dirk said, I am, I am just missing the radical. Yeah, exactly. There's, it's not a radical paradigm shift. It's a small minor update, but yeah. Yeah. See, so to me, 5.0 would be more of like a metaverse type of transformation, right? So, uh, people used to say AR VR was like 5.0. And so I think, you know, metaverse and digital manufacturing, virtual manufacturing is, is, um, is what, what that could be. Um, or there's the other thing too, like you don't know what's on the other side of the event horizon. 5.0 could be this totally different thing that, you know, after we reach the manufacturing singularity, right. Where, you know, Tesla manufactures everything, let's say in 20 years, um, then we'll know what 5.0 is. <laughs> <laughs> then you know then uh you know tesla might be paying a universal basic income to to you know all of it, all the citizens and um you know this the the sustainability and focus on people will be really important in that in that day and time especially like yeah. with the tesla bot have you heard about that 
I've heard of it, but I have not witnessed it. Yeah, we, we could talk about that in another. That that sure. really deserves a show of its own. But um, absolutely. So, in order to remain the engine of prosperity, industry must lead the digital and green transitions, right? And that's why Tesla is a 4.0 company because it's leading the digital and you know sustainable energy trans transition. Um, industry 5.0 provides a vision of industry that aims beyond efficiency and productivity as the sole goals and reinforces the role and the contribution of industry to society, creating jobs, you know, creating uh, sustainability. It places the well-being of the worker at the center of production process and uses new technologies to provide prosperity beyond jobs and growth while respecting the production limits of the planet. There's that incentives again, incentivizing. That that I don't know if I necessarily agree with. If there is pro production limits of the plant, because like let's say electric batteries, well, if you recycle the batteries, you know, think of that as like a a very traded mine, right? You're mining the materials from the old batteries. So you know, I I don't think there really is. I mean, you know, obviously the, the the universe is finite in 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 our observable universe, and there's only so many atoms that we have. But I don't know. I think thinking of it in terms of production limits, you know, I think I think the limit is much beyond what it would look like at first. Like it's not just no. And I get where they're coming from. Like they don't want to just use up all the water and 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 and. Um, like even that doesn't make sense, right? Because all water is recyclable, but like, you know, like being unsustainable as far as like polluting the the atmosphere, polluting the earth. Because um, like if you recycle carbon or if you recycle the water, then th in theory, there's no limit of how many times you can do that, right? There's no limit. Um, you know, I mean, I guess there might be a limit of how many batteries you can make out of one material, but then you can always redesign a new battery to to use a new material, right? Or... So I don't know. I don't think that production limits are should be a super high focus on it. Um, you know, the environmental sustainability of the planet might be a better way to look at it. But, yeah. you know, I think we can, can in seriously increase the amount of stuff that we can produce like beyond beyond what what we think possible. But um, that's just my own personal optimistic viewpoint. Um, it complements the existing of existing industry 4.0, the sustainable, human-centric, and resilient European industry. I love how it's mm. European. <laughs> um, industries can play an active role in providing solutions to challenges for society, including the preservation of resources, climate change, and social stability. Um, that's you know really important. You know, pay, like yeah. good-paying job, not just squeezing exactly. a living wage. Yeah, to living with living wage, or you know, potentially going as far as universal basic income or uh, I, don't, I don't know what 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 my exact take is on that in the future but um, industry 5.0 brings benefits for industry for work workers and society it empowers workers as well as addresses the evolving skills and training needs of the employee really important you know upskilling like our enterprise industry 4.0 training helping organizations train the employees that they need the employee of the future it increases the competitiveness of industry, 100% agree, and helps attract the best talent. I mean, a lot of this stuff is what we're already doing and talking about. Yeah. It seems boilerplate pretty much it, it, with 4.0, a lot of the verbiage. 
it is good for our planet as a favor of circular production. Like I said, mining the old batteries or recycling circular production models and support technologies that make the use of natural resources more efficient. Um, interesting. So here's how to make it happen. And then we'll, uh, we'll end, we'll end, end shortly here. Industry 5.0 approach contributes to the three commissions priorities an ec an economy that works for people, the European green deal and European fit for the digital age. Elements pertinent to industry 5.0 are already part of a major commission policy initiatives. Adopting a human-centric approach for digital technologies, including artificial intelligence. Upskilling and reskilling European workers, particularly digital skills, skills agenda, and digital education action plan. Modern, resource-efficient, and sustainable industries and a transition to a circular economy, Green Deal. And a globally competitive work-leading industry, speeding up investment research and innovation. So, I don't know, maybe, maybe we need to change our name to 5.0 solution and show your how to get like once we started leading on 4.0 then they're like all right well it's no longer 4.0 5.0 is what we want now and and maybe we need to uh incorporate some of that into a you know put a higher focus on some of those concepts into our content right um because as we as we level up as we go deeper into 4.0 it's going to be where where the community and where the you know the manufacturing industry is at so Anything you else you want to add before we close it out here, Alan? Thanks so much All for right, doing just, this. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you, thank you for having me. I appreciate the great questions and uh, the chance to share knowledge, share and to learn as well. So continue to sharpen the saw as we alluded to earlier, and uh, just I'm thrilled to be here. Looking forward to uh, the next one. Awesome. Joshua said, "Will EV batteries recycle to home storage aftermarket market? Hmm. Roll your own." else need to burn them or chemical processes so they're not eco-friendly post-use so um redwood materials look up uh redmond redwood materials it's one of the ex tesla co-founders created a new company i think it's like his brother is it his brother-in-law or something but um, a reclamation for reclamation environmental yeah literally okay. taking old batteries and recycling them to mine the raw materials back out of the batteries to put into new batteries so it's not like you know disposing of them it's literally turning them into a virtual mine all right um like think about how many old phones you have laying around too mm. like that's like a virtual mine that people could just you know send in those resources or um you know if every every person on the planet has like a few extra lithium-ion batteries or you know um whatever the materials it's made out of if we use those and also like EVs as EVs become more popular and they reach their maturity age, we're going to need something that can recycle them just as quickly as they're coming off the line on the front end. Right. So that's their goal is Redwood materials is to mine cars as quickly as, you know, Tesla's making them, which is no easy task, but, um, mm -hmm. I think it'll be important and it's a shift towards that circular economy. Um, you know, really, really good to company to look into. Uh, so thanks. Mario said it's a great session. Cheryl said uh, it's a great chat. Nice to meet Alan. Um, yeah, we may have you back on again. And, you know, great. after after you've done a DTMA or two yourself, uh, you know, I'd love to hear your experience and, you know, share share how, how that process is and, you know, how we can help our students and uh, community learn more. So thanks so much. Sounds great. Sounds great. Thank you for having me again. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Blake. Thanks, Cheryl. Thanks, Mario. Josh, Dirk. See you guys in the next week.